The Twitter saga continues, and Musk is on the prowl. Today, that and more on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Well, I would tell you about the Kingdom Patriot podcast, but you're already listening to The Grid as we speak. So instead, I ask you, are you sharing The Grid with your family, friends, and neighbors? Well, you should be. Otherwise, how do we grow our audience? Well, we do it by fine folks like you sharing the grid on your social media, in your email, or in that ancient mode of communication known as face-to-face conversations. And remember to click that little like button on your podcast platform and make sure you are following us. Also, don't forget to go to kingdompatriot.us and put your name on our email subscriber list. It's been another full week of news. Here are some of the highlights we will comment on in this week's News and Review. Federal court says oh nay nay to the enforcement of radical transgender policy on states. January 6th committee covers for Pelosi. Senator Cruz weighs in on same-sex marriage. Election meddling, Democrats promoting weak GOP candidates could backfire. Our first headline. Federal court bars Biden administration from forcing radical gender policy on states. This story from both Fox News and The Daily Wire. 20 states' attorneys general sued the Biden administration last year. This past week, a U.S. district court in Tennessee has temporarily barred the administration from enforcing a policy requiring states to allow transgender-identifying athletes to play on the gendered sports teams they identify with. According to the generals, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and the U.S. Department of Education overstepped their mandate from Congress by writing guidance that would trample on existing or future gender laws. Biden administration policy would allow access to locker rooms and the use of bathrooms of individuals based solely on the gender they identify as. The attorneys general also argued that the two agencies were usurping authority that properly belongs to Congress, the states, and the people. Score another incremental victory for West Virginia versus the EPA. More on that story from Fox News and The Daily Wire. January 6th Committee Chair Benny Thompson claimed in the beginning that no one was off-limits to their investigation. However, Nancy Pelosi seems to be the one exception. House Republican Conferencewoman Elise Stefanik continues to call the panel un-American. Originally, President Donald Trump offered to send 10,000 National Guardsmen to the Capitol to handle security for January 6th. She turned the offer down, Trump has claimed, because it wouldn't look good. Many Republicans believe that act alone hamstrung the security measures for the day. Stefanik continues to apply pressure on Thompson, who continues to keep Pelosi out of the panel's investigation. She also points out Pelosi's office has yet to turn over reported communications between the House Sergeant-at-Arms and the Speaker. How convenient. More on this story from Fox News. Senator Cruz, 
SCOTUS clearly wrong legalizing same-sex marriage, leave to states. Newsmax reporting. This week on their YouTube video podcast, Verdict Plus, Senator Ted Cruz and his co-host Michael Knowles weighed in on same-sex marriage made legal by the Supreme Court decision Oberfeld v. Hodges. He believes the 2015 Supreme Court ruling was clearly wrong when it ruled same-sex marriage was legal under the Constitution. Citing the 14th Amendment's clauses on due process and equal protection, under this erroneous ruling, no state, the District of Columbia, nor any U.S. territories could deny marriage certificates to same-sex couples. In the podcast posted Saturday, the senator made it clear this issue should be the decision left to the states. In one defense of his position, the senator pointed to Justice Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion. In future cases, we should consider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Oberfeld, because any substantive due process decision is demonstrably erroneous. We have a duty to correct the error established in these precedents, he wrote. Thank you, Senator Cruz. More on that story from Newsmax. Lastly, strategists warn election meddling promotion of certain GOP candidates could backfire on Democrats. Playing dirty. Both parties have done it, but the Democrats seem to make it their regular strategy. They spend money to promote a Republican during the primaries they think doesn't have a snowball's chance in a barbecue pit to win against the chosen Democrat candidate. Then theoretically, the stronger Republican candidate loses the primary, allowing the weaker to run against the victorious Democrat. This can backfire spectacularly, as was the case in Trump versus Clinton. During the primaries, every time the news media had the opportunity to stick a camera and the microphone in front of Trump, they did. This pulled coverage away from the other Republican candidates. In collusion, the Democrat Party and the mainstream media calculated if they could promote Trump by giving him massive airtime, he would become the Republican nominee. In turn, Clinton would mop the floor with Trump to an easy victory. They calculated that his inexperience at running for office or holding office would keep him from winning. They did not calculate that this was his strength. Unlike politicians, he worked not only to get things done, but on time and under budget. Fox News covers a number of politicos weighing in on this strategy in this news piece. They cover both sides of the political fence, and it's a fascinating read. The practice is corrupt, legal, but dirty and corrupt. More on this from Fox News. For this week's news review, that's a wrap. All right, a quick welcome to my co-host, Sean Griffin. Thanks for being here today, Sean. Hey, Chris, this is always fun. Always fun because we're talking about Elon Musk or always fun because you just like being part of the grid? Well, I like being part of the grid. And so in all honesty, it'll be extra fun because we're talking about Elon. Go Elon. Go Elon. I think we're going to have some fun today. So we are going to talk about Twitter. Now, I'm not one who's any kind of Twitter user. I barely have a login. But Twitter appears to be a very important tool in the fight for free speech and faith and freedom. Sean, why is that so? Well, the couple of times I've checked in, when I checked back out, I felt like I just visited a cesspool. But 
I'm going to guess about 20% of the population is on it. Maybe not quite that much, but here's the deal. The news media is lazy. They're always focused on the latest Twitter trends because conflict sells. Twitter is a great source of conflict. Any of the social media platforms are a great source of conflict. The news media can get on there and very quickly they can get the equivalent of a soundbite from any politician or celebrity that's out there with something to say. So there's that going on, but bringing it back to why is it important for us to be there for the fight for faith and freedom? Because we need a solid, consistent voice of truth, and we need to be among those that are speaking it. I totally agree. I'm going to throw this disclaimer. I really don't know Elon Musk. But I do know the principle that he wants to espouse at Twitter. He's been pretty vocal about that. He wants equal and open dialogue consistent with the First Amendment and the freedom of speech. I'm assuming that's not lip service. So obviously, as conservatives continue to be silenced by large media organizations, this is an outlet that I hope we get. However, the big news with Elon Musk, at least this week, is will he or will he not complete the purchase and acquisition of Twitter? Because this is such hot news and there's been so much activity, that's what we're going to jump into today. Are you ready? What do you want first, nitrous oxide or scalpel? Well, personally, I would take the nitrous oxide first, but I think we're going to go in with a sledgehammer instead. <laughs> Swing. So I haven't seen the purchase agreement that both Twitter and Musk signed. In fact, I don't even know if it's publicly available. However, there must have been stipulations in there regarding the full disclosure of issues and I've been a part of several mergers and acquisitions. I can tell you that's pretty standard language about disclosures. It's called the due diligence phase. In this case, the true sticking point seems to be the reasonably accurate account for the number of spam or fake accounts, or as Elon Musk likes to refer to, the spam bots. What is the number of these in the Twitter sphere? Sean, why is this such a big deal to Musk? It means that if the fake accounts are higher than Twitter attests at 5%, that could affect the future of the advertising revenue. Not good. It also means that if the fake accounts are greater than 5%, Musk's $54 per share is way overpriced. I really think that's the issue, Sean. Twitter says it has algorithms that already delete 1 million spam bot accounts per day, which I think is crazy. Twitter uses that as evidence that their process is working. But when I hear that, it raises the hair on the back of my neck. If they're deleting 365 million fake accounts per year, how many are they missing? Because they can't be getting them all. This to me seems like a huge, huge problem. Do you agree? Oh my gosh. It's like, that's, that's bigger than D-Day. Every day. It's, it's a swarm. It's a plague. Every stinking day. It really makes you wonder what kind of infrastructure they have that even allows this, because it seems like you could put in some simple verifications. In fact, we weren't really going to go this route on the podcast, but it kind of reminds me of what can happen with voting if you don't verify the ID of somebody voting. It can kind of go a little bit awry, and you have a lot of fake votes that can occur. Oh, yeah. So let's take a look at the most recent timeline of events. So we know what the issue is. We think the issue is all centered around these spam bot accounts and how many there really are. But let's look at the timeline of events of what's occurred over the last week and a half when we return. All that is required for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. If you want to make a difference, you cannot sit on the sidelines. That's why you need to be a kingdom patriot. Join us today and help us fight for faith and freedom. 
If you give up just two cups of Starbucks per month, you can make a difference. Hi, I'm Jessica, and I'm a Kingdom Patriot. Okay, there's been a lot of Twitter news lately. Let's take a quick look at the last couple of weeks, what I'm going to call the Twitter timeline. On July 8th, Elon announces that he's terminating the deal to purchase Twitter. Now, this this kind of came out of nowhere, it seemed, and really got the Twitter sphere and just the media in general up in arms. His reasoning is he says Twitter has multiple material breaches and has provided misleading and false representations. Sean, those are pretty damning accusations. Yeah, ultimately, Musk wants to validate the real number or the percentage of the accounts that are spam or fake. Musk first claimed that Twitter withheld the information, and then later Twitter provided what they labeled or what everybody else is labeling as a fire hose of data that wasn't useful. There's a reason that term is used, especially if you've ever tried to drink from a fire hose. It'll drown you out. You won't get your thirst quenched. You won't accomplish anything. That's certainly how I read the articles. It was like, Elon was asking, hey, I need this information. I need this information. And Twitter was responding, well, it's really hard to get because you have to look at public data and private data. It's really hard to get to a right number. And he kept saying, I got to have this. So then the next thing you know, they're just giving him everything in a way that's, that's not even useful. That seems to me a little bit nefarious. Perry Mason 101, it's classic lawyer stuff. It's like, let's wait until the last few minutes and then let's dump 25 boxes and 200, 250 million documents on them and see how quickly they can get it done in three days. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's continue. Twitter responds a couple of days later on July the 10th with the following. Musk and his team's purported termination of the deal is invalid and wrongful and constitutes a repudiation of their obligations under the agreement. Furthermore, Twitter threatens to enforce the original purchase agreement. Sean, any comments? Any irony there? Whiplash. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> Would you please make up your mind? Yeah, no kidding. It's like uh, with, with this board of directors, what you see is not what you get. All right, let's keep going. On July 11th, Musk pokes fun at Twitter through a hilarious meme uh, that, that he tweeted. But we're going to put that on pause. We will come back to that in just a second. Let's go ahead to July 12th. Twitter officially engages a law firm and files suit in Delaware court. Sean, do you find it odd that Twitter originally did everything it could to avoid Elon Musk's bid and takeover and now is doing everything it can to actually force the sale? <laughs> they, the $54 a share really got to them. <laughs> they probably already spent it. Yeah, no kidding. Well, certainly the shareholders are wanting that $54 a share, especially this is one that we probably won't talk. We're not really going to talk about too much today, but if you're a shareholder, you want that $54 a share, especially if you have reason to believe you can't trust management and that the spam bot accounts are understated. And that if all of that's true and the revenue, the advertising revenue with Twitter starts to fall and this deal doesn't go through, you're going to see right now, I think it was the $32, $34 a share. You're going to see that plummet into the 20s, even the teens. So you want that $54 a share. Oh, yeah. If I was a stakeholder, I've been paying attention. I wouldn't be trusting the management of this company. For sure. Well, up to this point, we've only been discussing really the what and how of what's happened over the last couple of weeks. We will dive into what we think all of this means when we come back. I'm voting for Dr. Sherry O'Donnell for U.S. House of Representatives and Michigan's 5th District. 
Hi, I'm Chris Kuhlman, founder and CEO of the Kingdom Patriot Group and host of our podcast, The Grid. I'm personally voting for Sherry because she's pro-life, pro-family, pro-freedom, pro-constitution. But most importantly, she has a deep love for God and country. That's why I support Dr. Sherry, and so should you. Visit our website today at kingdompatriot.us to listen to my exclusive interviews with Doc, to learn about her journey and policy positions. Vote for Dr. Sherry O'Donnell and join the fight for faith and freedom. Okay, Chris, we're back. We need to know, what does this really mean and what are the implications? Sean, I have been waiting to share this funny tweet that Musk sent on July 11th because I think this tells a lot of the story. I think we find out where Musk's head is at. This is what the tweeted meme said. It said, number one, they said I couldn't buy Twitter. Number two, they wouldn't disclose bot info. Number three, now they want me to force buy Twitter in court. Number four, now they have to disclose bot info in court. Clearly, Musk does not trust the Twitter execs and the information that they gave to him. So by going the legal route, Twitter is going to be forced to disclose this information anyway. Sean, is this just lucky or is this just being shrewd? Well, I just think it's being Musk. It's like, look, you're going up against Musk. He is a sharp guy. You know, he's already thought this stuff through. He's not going to wade into something that he doesn't feel confident that he's got the goods for. So you're going to go up against him. The best thing you could do is just sit down and shut up. This is certainly going to be interesting. Where do you think this is going? I mean, personally, I think the sale is still going to go through, but the Twitter board and Musk will have to negotiate some sort of settlement that will likely result in a reduced price per share that Musk is willing to pay. What do you think? Oh, yeah, they're going to get a spanking. Yeah, they're going to get a spanking. A Twitter spank. I like that. Yes. Well, as we always do with the Kingdom Patriot Group, let's dive into the faith perspective. Here's one thing that here's a couple of things I should say that actually come to my mind. And the first one is what is in the dark will be exposed to the light. I personally believe whatever is being hidden, which is either deception by Twitter or Musk has some other agenda we don't know about. One of those is going to come to the service. Darkness is always exposed to light. Personally speaking, though, if Musk is going to do what he says he'll do, as a Christian, I want this deal to go through. Because right now, there's really no social media platform of this size and this scale that allows free debate and conversation without some measure of censure. Well, first of all, I agree. But secondly, I think, you know, the Lord loves this country. And Twitter has been used in... Uh, very nefarious ways and very unfair ways and some very ugly ways. And I just think that Musk, I think of him as a tool of discipline because at this point, Twitter stinks and Musk is a scent. And I think that the Lord is using Musk to bring a little bit of discipline to a stinker. Wow. I, I don't even know what to do with that. So I won't. (laughs) So what about the political perspective? Feel free to run with this one. (laughs) Well, I mean, free speech has been under attack and Twitter is right there at the forefront. Anybody stands up and says something, any, you know, upstanding citizen, you know, anybody who's pushing a righteous agenda, they stand up 
and say one thing in defense of something that's right. And immediately you get social terrorists coming out of the woodwork like a bunch of cockroaches and just play pig pile. You can't get ahead. No, you can't. And, you know, when you say free speech has been under attack, one thing I've noticed with this, as soon as Musk announced his intention to acquire Twitter, everyone was up in arms. You can't do that. Free speech is actually be more restricted. It'll be more under attack when you have a company of this size under the control of one individual. You had corporations saying that, media saying that. You certainly had political folks saying that. And I guess it, I guess that's okay since they said the same thing about Jeff Bezos owning multiple media companies and Mark Zuckerberg owning Facebook, right? You heard those same things. Oh, nay, nay. We most certainly did not. No, we did not. I have to jest a little bit there because what it appears is free speech means different things to different people. For conservatives, free speech means the right to express your opinion without persecution without censure. It appears on the left, free speech means the right to express their opinion and not your own unless your own happens to agree with theirs. And if it lines up, that's okay. And if not, then you are to be silenced. Right. I think what is cool here is that the folks in the middle of the road who consider themselves to be independent and then the Democrats who feel like the party has left them, there's a a swath of people right there And if they're paying attention, and I think they are, then the motivations of these groups, of these companies, of these parties, these organizations, it's coming to the surface because of what he's done. And it's like the gloves are off and they're opening their mouths. And and scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so suddenly all the crap that is in their heart is coming to the surface and It's right there for everybody to hear and see, and they are being exposed. They definitely are. And I know a lot of times we'll shift right into the commerce perspective, but these seem so intertwined to me because what you have is you have companies like Twitter, at least in current state, I should say, Facebook, Instagram, you have all of these, what I call social media outlets that in some ways are working in tandem with liberal politicians to silence opposition that is in disagreement with their agenda. Is that something that you've seen? Oh, I totally agree with that. Because think about it. Commerce can move faster than politics can. With politics, they have to pass legislation. They have to get voters to buy in. They have to gather the votes in Congress, in the House, in Senate, in order to get their agenda passed. But that's not, it doesn't go that slowly with commerce. If you can convince big corporations to go in a certain direction, it's a trend real quick. They can do it. As long as it is not illegal, they are poised to be able to do things quick and shift in a direction that the politicians cannot quickly follow. I think that's an excellent point. And as I know you and I have talked about many times, just in your own time with the Lord, you have just felt in your spirit that persecution, at least initially, was going to come through commerce, not necessarily the government, for many of the practical reasons that you just cited. Well, I hope today that we've given the audience a little bit a little bit more clarity just on this Twitter deal, kind of what's going on, why Musk is backing off, why he's creating pressure, and yet that we think this deal is still going to take place. 
One thing we do know, and we've seen this, is that information regarding this story is changing minute by minute. So that's really all the time we have for today. Stay tuned, and we will keep you updated as we see developments unfold. Sean, any closing thoughts? Yeah, it doesn't matter what the media says. The media doesn't know what Musk is going to do because he's a smart strategist. He's not going to tell everybody. What's cool is if he ends up buying Twitter, there are going to be some very significant changes. And if he doesn't buy Twitter, Twitter could collapse. Well, my vote is on Twitter becoming part of Elon Musk's portfolio. That's really what I'd like to see. Ditto. Thanks, everyone. Till next time. Go, Elon. In order to expand our audience to like-minded believers and patriots, you have to tell them about us. How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. Right now, in this moment, hit that follow button on your podcast and give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends and your neighbors about this community. Share any episode on your social media. If you feel compelled to share that photo of little Johnny who fell in a puddle, then surely sharing an episode of The Grid is just as easy. Help us today. Tell others about the Kingdom Patriot Group and this podcast, The Grid. Also, don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. 